Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. seated in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody say, my God. You can be seated. Everybody say, my God can do anything. So on the first Wednesday night, I want to wish you a big Merry Christmas to all of you. I went to the hospital the other day to see someone and, uh, and it was the day after Thanksgiving, I said, Merry Christmas to those little ladies at the front, you know, that take care of They said, what? I said, you hadn't heard of it yet, have you? They said, no. I said, I'm always a front runner. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I love to say Christmas. Not Happy Holidays. I love to say Christmas. You'll catch it after a while. I pray your faith would be built tonight as we take some time to celebrate the birth of our Savior our Lord Jesus Christ here tonight. There's an interesting story in Mark chapter 10. Some parents were bringing their kids to Jesus and Jesus prays for them. They, they want him to pray for them and so or just simply lay hands on them and the disciples were saying, no, 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 no. Get your kids away. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. He's the son of God. He's too important for that. Get, get them away. Jesus said, wait. Oh, wait, 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 boys. Hold on just a minute. They never really got it. He turned it to to a teaching moment. He said, let the children come to me. In 15, he said, I'll tell you the truth. We've read it every week. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will never enter it. They'll never enter the kingdom of God. Now, he didn't say be childish. He said be childlike. Jesus was saying, I want you to have faith in me. I want you to have faith in God just like a little child would to believe with the purity and the simplicity of faith, just like a child would. Someone gave me a book one time, and uh, I read some of it. It was very cute. It was children's letters to God. And one little boy asked another little boy what he was giving his brother for Christmas. And the little boy said, I don't know. And so the other little boy said, well, what did you give him last year? And the other little boy, the little fellow said, the measles. Here's a marvelous collection of of actual children's prayers. Listen to this sampling. Dear God, where do people come from? I hope you can explain explain it better than my dad does. Dear God, another one as Helen. Dear God, I never did think that that orange went very well with purple until I saw your sunset last night. That was cool. Eugene, you did good. Dear God, could you please send me a burning bush in my backyard? My dad never can get the lawnmower started. We need something to burn the grass up. Dear God, I'm sending you a penny to give to a kid who is a lot poorer than me, Chris. Maybe Jesus is suggesting to us that we need to recapture our childlike imagination. Some of you that are my age or even younger, you remember when we played with Tonka toys. We didn't know what this was. We didn't get corporal tunnel at 10. We got dirty. We plowed. We hauled dirt in our big 
dump trucks. It's fascinating to me how Walt Disney understands this, but the church seems to miss it because we as adults become victims of routine and we lose our spontaneity. God never let us lose the excitement of knowing you in faith. In this series, we've been looking at some of the attributes of God from the perspective of a child. And I want to look again this week at another attribute. And we're going to find this attribute as part of the Christmas story. So I'll tell you the beginning of it. And then we'll look at the rest of it in Luke chapter 1. Imagine hearing this story for the first time. Maybe like you were a little child. The scripture teaches us that an angel of the Lord. Now, don't just hear that and go, wow, an angel. Yeah, an angel. I mean, we're talking like an angel. If you saw an angel, some of you, you'd be taking a picture and selfies and it'd be on Instagram in seconds because you'd love to see an angel. But you'd want the angel in the picture with you and you want to be in front of the angel. Just thought I'd say that. An angel of the Lord appears to a teenage girl. History bears out she probably was about 14 years old. Mary, she's a virgin. And the angel says, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the angel of the Lord says to this teenage girl, just barely older than a child, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. That's pretty big news, isn't it? You will give him the name of Jesus, and he'll be the Most High. And this little girl asks what any of us would ask. She says this in Luke 1.34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, I have not known a man. In other words, okay, I'm engaged to be married to Joseph, but we're playing it straight, angel. We're not making out on the back seat of a donkey, all right? I mean, we're keeping this thing clean. And the angel answers in verse 35. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Woo! And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called, would you say it with me? The Son of God. Would you clap your hands because he came? That's good stuff. And then verse 37 is our key verse for today. The angel of the Lord said what I want all of you to say. Say it with me. For nothing is impossible with God. Abraham thought that one day. And 13 years before he found out that nothing was impossible, he made a mistake and put a Hagar in his life. But 13 years later, God blessed Sarah and opened her womb and she became a mother at 90 and he was a 100-year-old daddy. And that became the son that would bring Jacob to this world and Jacob would bring the 12 tribes of Israel and here we are today, blessed by the hand of the Lord. Do you realize that Abraham had a wife who was barren? Isaac had a wife who was barren? Jacob had a wife who was barren? It don't matter how big you are. Without God, you can't make it happen. Amen. You need the God of heaven to bless your life. Everybody say, nothing is impossible with God. And all of a sudden, the 700-year-old prophecies are about to unfold and God's going to do something that a human being could not do. For what is impossible with man is possible with God. And through the young virgin girl, God would become flesh and dwell in this world. And the angel declares the truth that I pray you'll believe like a child. That nothing, say it again, nothing is impossible with God. 
The attribute that I want you to look at today is the omnipotence of God. That means the all-powerful God. Now, you won't find the word omnipotent in the Bible. It's not there. But what you will find 350 times is the word almighty. Woo, hallelujah. Everybody say, he's almighty. He's all-powerful. And this word is only used for God. Now, why is that so important? If you'll remember week one, we looked at the goodness of God when a child would say, my God is for me. Do you believe God's for you tonight? You believe he's for you? And then week two, Josh did such a great job speaking on my God is with me. My God's presence is with me. And then two weeks ago, Mitch, our other associate, did a wonderful job talking about my God forgives me. Aren't you glad that God is for you? Aren't you glad that God is with you? And aren't you glad that God forgives you? And tonight, if you're taking notes, we're going to say it like a child. My God can do anything. My God can do anything. There's nothing impossible with God. Nothing. What is impossible with man is totally and completely possible with my God. My God can do anything. I'm just still saying it. Now, why is that important? I'll carry it to you right now at this moment. There's many, many, many of you in this house that you're facing impossible challenges in your home. And that you've been facing them for a long time. Significant trials, situations in your life that you don't know how you're going to get out of. You don't know how it's going to end. You're still on a dirt road. You're waiting for that per- first paved street. You're meeting dead ends. You'd like to have a freeway. And it's not happening. But I'm here to tell you, you genuinely need the power of God because the God that I'm preaching about can do anything. In fact, an old pastor used to say, he'd say, it isn't real encouraging, but he'd say this. You're either coming out of hard time, you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're about to go into a hard time. <laughs> I hate to be negative, but this world is cursed by sin. And you can almost be guaranteed that hard times are going to be a part of us. But hard times don't last. Great people that love God last. Amen. A man wrote a book, tough times don't last, but tough people do. You've got to look at every situation in your life and say, nothing is impossible with my God. And some of us have quit saying that because we have, we have allowed the enemy to erode our faith. Faith is not taken away just like that. It's just eroded. And all of a sudden we begin to think we can do this by ourselves, and we get bigger and bolder and more powerful in our own self. And God said, okay, y'all go ahead and have it. And after a little while, you run out of that room and you say, oh, God, where you at? And God says, I'm right here. I've always been right here. But tonight, we're going to get back that childlike faith. And we're going to trust and believe that our God can do anything. And if God says it, we believe it. And that settles it. Amen. 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 I go down my phone list each morning and I, and I, and I pray. And you that have my phone number, don't text me right now because my phone's in the office. I brought my phone to this pulpit before and I got calls during the sermon. So I leave my phone in the office. I wish a lot of people in this house would leave your phones in the car when you come to church. I mean, let me just go on record. This, this, not, this is pastor talking. There's nothing more important than what's happening here right now. Text that to your friend right now. Then say, I'm going on airplane mode right now. Text that to your friend. Say, nothing's more important that's happening here right now. And by the way, you don't have to text me. I look good tonight. My shirt's buttoned up. I'm belted. 
and my zipper's up. I checked three times. I'm good tonight. I can preach. So anyway, there's just a few prayer requests that the people that are in my inner circle, and when I say inner circle, it's people that have issues and problems and situations, and I I bless the church every day. I I bless this church every day because I'm still thrilled to be a pastor of such a great church. But I've got, a, I've got a precious woman of faith that passed away Monday evening, about 825, 44 years of age. That's too young to die. And her family, her husband, two teenage kids, they need prayer right now, so they got my prayers this morning. There's a couple of marriages that are shaky right now, and I'm praying. There's one relationship that's just broken up here, and there's damage on both sides, and two of them don't know like... They're going to make it, and I'm praying for a miracle for them. And I have a close friend that needs financial help in times of trouble. They're under tremendous strain. They go to this church, and I'm praying for people that are under severe stress with finance so much that it's affecting even the health of some of those people. I just count another couple that, that are having to go to court with litigation, and some teenagers are making bad decisions, and parents are crying, help, help, help. And I've been praying for you folks. I've been praying. But I want to tell you, bottom line, I can't do anything. But I'm praying to a God that can do everything. Because nothing is impossible with God. Oh, yes. Somebody needs to rejoice over that tonight like a child. remember when you was a kid and it started raining you didn't care how much lightning came and how much thunder came you wanted to go out and do this don't film that put your phones up I caught one oh hush lightning quit it You'd pull your shoes off. You'd run down the creek beds. You'd run down the, the little, what do you call them, little troughs between the highway and the yards. You'd run down them and get your feet wet. And if you, yeah, a ditch, that's it. It's not called a ditch, but we'll say a ditch. We won't say a crick. We won't say that. But you'd run and you'd get your feet wet. And mama said, if you get those shoes wet, you're going to wear them wet, boy, you hear? So you'd take your shoes and throw them away. And the rain would get them wet anyhow. But you'd run. And I'm afraid that some of us have been so damaged by this thing called life. That when the rain starts falling and the Holy Ghost starts moving. And God wants to do some great things. We don't do this anymore. We put our umbrella up and say, oh God, I got to get to my car. I got to get someplace. Why don't you put your umbrella down? Why don't you just let God speak into your world? Why don't you let God do something for you? I'm not trying to get emotion out of you tonight. I'm trying to preach to somebody. You need to let your faith go and say, my God can still do anything in this world. He can. First one of you who face something impossible and you think, I can't do anything about this. Put it up there. I can't do anything about this. Let me give you a line. Let me give you something here. Well, my God can. When you get to where you can't, God can. 
He'll let you try till you run out of try. And when you turn it over to him, he still can. Jeremiah 32 says, O sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Now, every now and then, you just need to look at the glory of creation. You need to look at the beach, the mountain, the sunrise, the sunset and said, wow, my God did all that. You need to look at the hills of Austin, Texas. You need to go on a golf course sometime. The most beautiful golf courses in all America are right here in Austin, Texas. It's hill country golf. There's nothing greater. Don't say Colorado. Don't go, don't go, don't go Colorado on me. Don't you go Colorado on me. And don't you go Kansas on me. You'll get blowed off the tee box in Kansas. But Austin, Texas, the hill country. And sometimes we forget that God is blessing us right here in our own community. And we forget sometimes that God can bless us in our own church. And we forget sometimes that God can bless us in our own home. We look over there and say, it's happening there and it's happening there, but it's not happening here. I'm telling you, get your umbrella down, get your tongue out, and start enjoying the reign of God because God's power and glory is being poured out in this world and in this church in America, and it's going to happen until Jesus comes. I promise you, this church is not going to go out with a limp and a whimper. It's going out with a shout and not a doubt. It's going out with glory. It's going out with faith, but it's going out. You hear me? It's going out. Say amen to that. And if he could do that with his power, then I would say this, nothing is too hard for you. As Jeremiah said, my God can. I love it when I see faith of a little child who believes with the simple purity that my God can do anything. Let me tell you about my grandsons. I got four of them. I'm a blessed man. I, I had a prophecy over me Sunday that still has me weeping, and I'm so tender right now because somebody blessed me Sunday with a word from the Lord, a true word from God. Every one of those kids, Caden, Connor, and Windsor, they're old enough to know the youngest is four years old. The oldest is 15. They've all prayed for me in their lifetime. Because faith is just a part of our home. We have Sunday nights with our family. And I bless my family on Sunday night. If you don't do that, you need to start doing that. Because it, it works. My kids are not perfect. That's why I need to pray for them. And their daddy's not perfect. But my little grandsons, because we have lived under the legacy of laying on of hands... All of them wanted to lay hands on me. My youngest one got him, a, got him one of those Nerf guns the other day, one of those little shotgun Nerf guns, little old Windsor. And, and Jaron, my, my son-in-law, said, shoot Bo. That's me, Bo. Shoot Bo. He said, no, he's our pastor. <laughs> I love those kids. They know where their bread's buttered. It takes me back when I used to preach in the backyard. I used to preach in the backyard. I was a man named Aaron Timms. My brother was a man named Frank Martin. They both were chubby men, so we put pillows up inside our shirts. And we'd go in the backyard and we'd have church. And we'd, we'd get a number two wash tub and that was our drum. And we'd, we'd play the air guitar and we'd sing and we'd harmonize and we'd have church in the backyard. Yeah, there was a day we did that. And we baptized our dog. Our dog took the plunge every time we had church. Every dog we had. I promise you, if dogs go to heaven, ours has got a chance. We 
we had a dog named Hunky Dory. I guarantee you, I guarantee you Hunky Dory was baptized 20 times in his existence. Every time we had church, he was our convert. We never baptized any cats. They don't swim, and when you start to put them under, they'd claw you. This from another denomination that didn't believe in baptism. So we just sprinkle them, amen. But we baptized our dogs. If your kids don't do that, they're missing a good part of church. I'd get my grands to pray for me if I was sick or if I was tired on Sunday night or if I was sick and tired. And all had faith that was beautiful. Caden, here was his prayer. One-handed. God is great. God is good. And we thank him for this food. Amen. That was his prayer. That's all he knew. Little bitty thing. Connor come along and he was a two-hander. He'd put his hands on me. He say, God heal Bo. Mm. <laughs> and then Windsor came along. He's a silent warrior. He don't say a lot. Perhaps two words. He'd say, Jesus heal. He'd look up and say, Come on, Bo, let's go outside and play. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm teaching those kids. That nothing is impossible with God. What did you do? Well, sometimes I'd go, whoo, hallelujah. Whatever you want to think about that, go ahead and think it. But I want them kids to know something. That God can come from where he's at to where he, we are right now. And you put it in them when they're babies. If you got grandkids, start having a prayer line in your house on Sunday night and have your kids pray for you. Let them understand that God's good because when they get a gun in their hand, they won't shoot you because you're Bo, you're Grandpa, you're the pastor, you're the leader. That's childlike faith. For those of you who are Christians and have faith in the power of God, I want to ask you, if you believe God can, I just want you to say it with me. My God can. How many of you, how many of you, if you've had broken relationships and you can't seem to forgive or get over those broken relationships and it is a strain and you're stained by the past. And how many of you believe that God can heal? How many believe that God can restore? How many believe that God can put a relationship back together? If you believe that, say it out loud. My God can. Say it. I wonder if anybody here believes that if you're in financial trouble right here in December and you need a blessing, that we serve a God who's a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. And he can rescue you from financial bondage. If you believe that and you mean it, say, my God can. I wonder if there's anybody in this house who believes in a God that heals and the name of Jesus that's stronger than anything that can come against you. The Bible said at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many believe that cancer has to say the name of the Lord's bigger than cancer? How many believe that heart disease has to say the name of the Lord is bigger than heart disease? How many believe that leukemia has to say the name of the Lord is bigger 
If you believe that, say, my God can. I wonder if there are any of you who have people that you love that don't even believe in God and don't know God. But you believe that God can reach them by his power and by his spirit. And do you think God can reach maybe even them this Christmas? If you believe that, say, my God can. I believe in the power of God. Everybody say, my God can. And not only will a child believe in a God that can, but a child will also believe that my God will. That leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. He reversed it. But a child says, my God can do anything. And my God will. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You thought it was going to be deep tonight, but it's really not. I love the faith of a little child in the Old Testament back when armies would often battle. Occasionally there would happen as one side would send out the strongest and their best warrior and the warrior would challenge the strongest and best warrior of the opposing army. And those two would duel, perhaps, and whichever one won would determine the army that takes the victory. That's exactly what happened when the Philistines and the Israelites were about to battle in the Valley of Elah was between them. The biggest and strongest Philistine, a giant named Goliath, literally a man, nine foot, between nine six and nine nine, history says, comes out at the beginning of the day and looks at the Israelite army and he says, anybody want some of this? And the Israelites go, oh, no thanks. Even though Saul, many times history says, was seven feet tall, he was tall head and shoulders above every man in Israel. And day after day, what the giant did was say, anybody want some? I got some to give you. No, no, we don't want any. And guess who took up the challenge? A little old kid who wasn't even old enough to shave and couldn't even go to war yet. And he was watching his daddy's sheep. And he came out, and this little boy, who should have been off tending sheep, but just happened to believe that his God was bigger than that opposing man. And the little boy comes and said, Who are you to come against the armies? of the living God. And when King Saul said, here, try this armor, and if it doesn't fit, David said, it doesn't, it doesn't fit me, sir. It hadn't been tried. It doesn't fit me. He said, go home. You're too young. And David said, no, I'm not. And he said, let me and God add him. Now watch this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, 45, David looked at the Philistine and he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. There's that word again, almighty, all-powerful God. And he said, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and I'm going to cut your head off. Not he might. My God can and my God will. Sounds cocky, but it's not. Verse 47, he said, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword, it's not a spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. In other words, not only are you going down, Mr. Goliath, but the whole army's going down. That's a kid talking. That's a kid talking. And when everybody else thought that Goliath was too big to beat, David the child thought, my God, he's too big to miss. And let me give you a couple of things here that you need to go home and study. David never called him a giant. I want you to look at your problems tonight 
And I want you to say, problem, you have just shrunk. You're not bigger than my God. God is bigger than my problems. He's bigger than my fears. He's bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. God's bigger. And the second thing he only worried about was, is he circumcised? In other words, is he in covenant with the Lord? He called him an uncircumcised Philistine, which meant he's not in covenant. And anything that's out of covenant can never destroy anything that is in covenant. And if somebody in that army would have known that before David got there, they'd already walked out and whipped him themselves. Because you can't allow things that's out of covenant with God to be greater than the covenant that you have with your God. Would somebody clap your hands real big and say, I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant woman. I'm a covenant child of God. And the covenant's greater. Woo, hallelujah. The problem for many of us, I'm not far from finishing. Brad told me I had to go to 845, but I'm going to let y'all out a little early, I think, tonight. Maybe not. (laughs) The problem for many of us is that we grew up around Christianity. And you believed God could, but when it comes to you, you don't believe God will. You believe God might do it for somebody else, but you don't believe God will do it for you. You know the toughest kids for me to pray for is my own? Put that in your peace pipe. That's a tough thing to do because I want to help them. I want to be the one that helps them. But there's been times in our life and there's been times in our existence that it was God or else. And I promise you, when you get down and all you got left is God, you got all you need. God is big enough. God is strong enough. You need to wrap your family up and say, our family is going to heaven. You need to wrap your situation up in your arms and say, this problem is not bigger than the God that I serve. He's bigger. Maybe you've even heard about God doing really incredible things, but you just think God's going to do it way over there and God's never going to do it over here. I said the Johnson house would never, 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 never have a house pet. I said that. Pets don't belong in the house. There's dog houses outside. We didn't consider cats. I'm sorry. Dog hair, cleaning up the mistakes outside, never inside. All dogs need a good dog house. I kept my word. In Misty and Justin's life, we got a dog named Sparky. He was an Alaskan Spitz, a wild dog, a stupid dog. He stayed where dogs belonged, outside. But then Cass and Kate came along. And when they were five and two in another church in Louisiana, they set in for a dog. Kate could hardly talk, but she wanted a dog. She repeated everything Cass said. My never turned to maybe. And then one day, okay. Because the girls went to the church and pled their case with the saints. (laughs) 
And those church folks in Louisiana looked at me like I was a horrible father. <laughs> they gave me the evil eye. You may not say it, but I saw it. In fact, one of them brought me to the altar one night. Cass was literally in the altar, and I went over to listen to her. She was praying that God would open my heart so she could have a dog. God, she needs to be praying for the Holy Ghost. She's praying for a dog. So I got on this dog. We called him the outlaw Josie Wells. Don't know where I got that name, but that's what we called him, the outlaw Josie Wells. He got killed by a car. I cried, see? He should have been in the backyard. <laughs> and he got out. And so I had a brand new never, never, no more dogs. But that went by the board. We came to Austin. Kate was three when we moved here. Cass was six. Eight years later, Kate said, Daddy, I want a dog. She's 11 years old, turning 11. She said, I'll take care of that dog. I'll water him. I'll feed him. She did for three days. <laughs> but what it told me was this we had that dog 14 years and that dog in fact Damon renamed that dog from Coco to Psycho <laughs> I think the Lord was getting back at me because I said dogs belonged outside and so he gave me the wildest dogs in the world <laughs> and, and kids don't give up they're going to haunt you. They're going to stay after you. They're going, to keep, they're going to keep going until you say yes. I just think if we could get some childlike faith and go to the throne of God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. We need victory in our house. Need our kids to come to Christ. Need our family to get, get together. We need, we need our, our wrongs to be righted. We need to come together as a family unit. We need to eat supper together. We need to share together. We need to come to church together. We need to worship together. We need to bless the Lord together. We need to raise our kids in church together. We don't need one coming and the other staying home. We don't need one being here and the other over there. We need to come to church. I think if we get a childlike faith in this camp saying, God, we need a little help. I promise you there's a God that can do anything and he will do anything for you. I believe that. I pray today. I really do. I pray today that if you face something difficult, you have faith to believe that God can. You need to keep believing that God also will. So I want to ask you a question. I'm almost through. I want to ask you a question. What do you do when you know he can and you believe he will and he doesn't? Fix the teach now, okay? I want you to listen to me real close. Set up in your seats. Get off your fifth vertebrae and listen. When you really have faith of a child and you've seen God do bigger things and you're asking him for, you know, it's got to be his plan and it would be so easy and it would make your life so much different and you ask him and you believe he, and he does it. What do you do? I did not know that Melody was going to be in the house tonight. But we called her today and talked to her about the secretary called for me and asked her about her husband, Rob. Rob was one of my buddies. Rob Condry was a good young man. He was a preacher's kid. He was an awesome young man. Played the bass guitar here. He was diagnosed with colon cancer. <clears throat> young man. Died way too young. September in 2012. And he passed from this life on March 25th, 2014. 
And I really, I really, really thought that God was going to heal Rob Condry. He came to the altar when he first heard the diagnosis and we prayed. And I've never felt like God healed anybody in my life like I felt it that day. I'm being as open as I can be at this church right now. I believe when we prayed as a church that Sunday morning in September, I just knew he was healed. He hugged me and he said, Pastor, I receive it. I've been healed. I accepted his healing. I didn't worry about it. I wasn't anxious about it. I went home, went to sleep, went to bed, kept preaching. Rob kept coming to church. The reports came back great, looked like remission. The tumor had shrank. It was down to almost to a place of operable, operableness, and yet at the same time, the doctor thought it might even shrink and just go away. It was going the right direction. Then, a turning of the reports. Got a little worse. And I truly believed, I truly believed, even when he's in San Antonio, and even when he's in the Christopher house, I truly believed, somehow, I don't know why I got so locked up in that situation, but I truly believed that God was going to raise him up. And it wasn't just an intuition. It wasn't just a want to on my part. It was really, truly faith, a belief that my God can do anything and my God will do anything. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But I want you to think about Mary for a minute. We need to look at her story at the beginning. And I want you to try, if you can, not to just think about it like it's just another year of hearing the Christmas story. But I want you to try to think about it as a personal story to you. If you're a parent, I want you to think about Jesus being your child, all right? Think about having Jesus as your boy, a carpenter in your house. You know how much you love your kids. I love my kids so much it hurts. And some of you parents can say amen to that. I don't know how I could love them anymore. I thought when they got married, I'd quit spending money on them. But God, it's cost me more now than it ever has. (laughs) Imagine if your kid was perfect. Imagine if your kid never sinned. You'd say, boy, I love those three over there a lot, but that one right there, wow, that one's special. He don't have any guile in him. He's never sinned. Imagine, imagine the cost she paid when she said to the angel or to God, may it be done unto me according to your word. And she was saying to the Lord, this baby is yours, this baby is God's. Right on, Lord, wait to do your thing. Okay, imagine during the time that would make you an immoral outcast, the pain she endured. Think about it, just a minute, just think about it. We're going into Christmas. And imagine her saying yes to God and raise the Son of God and watching her son brutally tortured and abused and beaten so badly his face didn't even look like a human face. His body so bloodied by being whipped with lashes with most likely glass and stone in it that his internal organs were probably exposed when they took his back and put him on the cross. 
Imagine the horror of being his mom when she watched them drive the stakes in his hands and in his feet. Do you know she had faith to believe that God could stop that? Don't you know that? Don't you know that any mom alive would have asked God, stop it, stop it, this kid's perfect. He's a good man. Jesus even prayed in the garden, if, it, any, if there's any other way, let it, let it happen that way. May this cup be removed from me. And yet even though she knew God could do anything, God didn't. Why? What did he do? There's a tremendous childlike faith, hear me now, that believes that my God can. There's a tremendous childlike faith that's greater that believes that my God will. But I believe the deepest kind of childlike faith is the one who says, my God can and my God will. And even if he doesn't, I still believe. Even if God doesn't do what I think he should, and I know he could, I believe in a God whose ways are higher than mine. I believe in a God who is for me. I believe in a God who's with me. I believe in a God who forgives me. And I believe in a God who has plans to bless me and to prosper me and not harm me and to give me a future. And I believe in a God who is so good, he's working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. And my faith in God is not based on what he does, but on who he is. And I know him so intimately that my faith is big enough to handle a no Because I do believe my God can. He is all powerful. Everybody say he's almighty. And I do believe he will. Because he's my personal God. He loves me. And even if he doesn't, I have faith like the three Hebrew children in Babylon in the book of Daniel. Once more kids. Kids. Everybody bow down, the king said, and worship me when you hear the music. And those three children, those three children said, no, we're not going to do that. And the king said, bring them in here, bow down. And they said, you heard us, we're not going to do that. And the king said, if you don't, I'm throwing you in the fire furnace. And the Hebrew boys believe my God can, my God will. And even if he doesn't, watch what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Daniel chapter 3, old Neb, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, our God can. The God we serve is able to save us from it. Our God will. Not only is he able, but he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And in verse 18, they said the deepest kind of faith you ever have. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set I just love it when I see pilgrims on their way to that celestial city. I just love it when I see pilgrims progress and they come to a situation in their life and they understand that I don't know if I can make it past this, but they're going to keep trying. And Christian says, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to make it to that city. I'm going to go to that city. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it. 
Valentin Grimaldi was on his way from, from Bernie down to Johnson City and saw a movement in the grass and it was a coral snake and he picked it up and it bit him. You know what he did? He bit that snake's head off, sucked the poison out of his, out of his hand and wrapped that snake around him as a tourniquet. Because Valentin Grimaldi had something in his mind. He had relatives in Johnson City and he was going to get to Johnson City. He's still alive. As 1996, Valentin's still alive. You can read about him. Here's what I want to tell you. There's some people, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes out of the grass. It doesn't matter what bites them. It doesn't matter what assails them. It doesn't matter what buffets them. It doesn't matter what tries to hold them back. I'm looking for a city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You've got to put heaven in your sight. You've got to put heaven in your sight. You've got to believe that God is able to take you from this life to that life. Because one day we're going to get there. And even if he doesn't, I'm going to believe he can. In spite of the fact that he hasn't. I stand here this Christmas. The product of two people that trusted God. My brother took his life in 1992 and I close. I close with this. My brother was a God-called minister at one time in his life. He lost his grip. And became a man that ravaged in sin and reveled in sin. And the the golden boy of our family met his own fate in 1992 in the month of October at his favorite place, the golf course in Snyder, Texas, in a car. Identified him, preached his funeral. I buried every one of my family. That was the hardest. And I I had a few questions I wanted to ask God after that was over. I really did. I had a few questions. I don't mind telling you I'm still angry. I've forgiven him, but I'm still angry because I know the potential that he possessed. Let me tell you something, folks. Let me just, let me just preach to you, okay? I just feel like saying this tonight. I feel like saying this tonight. Nothing's too difficult. Nothing is too difficult that you have to turn to self-infliction. Nothing. I'm just speaking in the Holy Ghost right now. Nothing, nothing is greater than the God that can and the God that will. And even if he doesn't, he's still going to get our trust. Amen. 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 I pastored a young man here, a college student, a brilliant, brilliant mind, high IQ. Had a sister who was mentally challenged. And he wanted God to heal her. He'd bring her to the altar every, every night and we'd pray for her and the God never chose to heal her. He never, he never healed her. And we had faith that God would heal that girl. God didn't heal her in this life. But he did. Because he preserves the simple. That's what the book says. But he walked out on God. Listen to me. Listen to me. 
This is a season when it seems like your skin gets peeled back and you get raw feelings. You get raw. It's an intense time. Even though it's the holidays, it's an intense time. And you think, it's not enough. I don't have enough. I don't, it's not enough. I don't have enough. God, help me, help me, help me, God. Will my family appreciate the fact that I don't have enough? Don't worry about that. You listen to this pastor. God is the one that is able. Sometimes we're not, but God can. God can. My wife and I could share gifts this year, okay? But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to let you down as easy as I can. We've chosen not to. Because I don't want to stand up here telling you what I got this Christmas. And some of you people don't have the means to do what perhaps we could do. Are you with me? And we're going to give to a cause greater than ourselves this year. So here's what I'm saying. What you can't do, you believe God can do. And what you can't believe God for, you trust God anyhow. Because God's got his hand on you. And God's watching over you. And God's going to take care of you. And I wish I could just come out and lift all of you up just like this. Just lift the whole church up like this. But I've tried to with my words tonight. But I'm trying with my spirit right now to lift your spirits. And I want you to walk out of here and say, I don't care what happens this year. I don't care how much goes under, how much goes over. I'm going to trust that God still can. I'm going to trust that God will. And if he doesn't, I'm going to believe in him anyhow. Oh, yes. Would you clap your hands again real big? Would you clap your hands again real big? God is able. God is able. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.